Our reading today comes from the Gospel of John, second chapter, verses 1 to 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it come from, even though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. May God add wisdom to the reading of the word. The second Sunday of Epiphany. That church season when we discover Jesus through his ministries. Last Sunday, we heard about Jesus being baptized from Luke. All four Gospels, as Pastor Curtis talked about last Sunday, and how do I know that? Because of your website, today's modern convention that I can go and listen to what he had to say. Anyway, uh, talking about all four, four Gospels mentioned it, and of course John the Baptist, his cousin. I want to go back a bit to compare these four gospel readings about Jesus' baptism because I think it's important as we go through Epiphany to see what his ministry involves. Matthew and Mark have the great voice proclaim that Jesus is the beloved Son. God is very pleased with his actions, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. Next, Jesus goes, or immediately goes, is in Mark, to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by the devil, a.k.a. Satan, depending which gospel you're reading. Then Jesus goes forth to Galilee to begin his ministry, to show the manifestations, the epiphanies of his ministry to the people. In Luke, Jesus just joins the other people being baptized by John in the Jordan, as we heard in Luke last week. He comes up from the water and begins to pray. Then the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit takes dove form and lights upon him, and that voice proclaims that Jesus is the Son, and God is very pleased. Jesus then launches into his ministry without the 40 days in the wilderness. He goes to Capernaum in Galilee to begin his ministry. Luke likes to give a little bit more detail. In John, we have John the baptizer testifying to what he experienced when Jesus was baptized. John saw the Holy Spirit as a dove come to Jesus 
and remain with him. Just not alighting, but remaining with him. But there is no voice from heaven, and there is no wilderness trip for Jesus here either. The next order of business actually comes from the two disciples of John who decide to follow Jesus into Galilee as Jesus starts to collect his disciples. Interesting how the gospel stories talk about the same event but have their own nuances, their own character. I find this incredibly interesting for us to have these four accounts and not just one story. It rounds out the experience from different angles. Whichever gospel reading we would have had for today, we know Jesus is prepared and strengthened by his baptism to take charge of his ministry and to move forward with the good news to share with everyone he meets. Of course, in John, we have the signs that show who Jesus is. So on this third day from Jesus' baptism, we enter into the scene of the wedding in Cana. In the Episcopal Book of the Common Prayer, the opening colic for today is, Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. I have always believed that the sermon on Sunday must relate to what is going on in the world. Oh, not as a political statement. I don't want to get into trouble. I don't want to get you all into trouble either. But I have a feeling Pastor Curtis does. But but as a reflection of the relationship with the good news and the reality of the world we hear in news broadcasts, Twitter, Facebook, newspapers, if you still subscribe, which I do, and just conversation in general. We are surrounded by such negative things these days, continued world and countrywide violence, yes, even at our own Fashion Place Mall, domestic violence, natural disasters such as in California that increase with fires and then mudslides and then more fires, increased occurrences of hurricanes, inversion here in our state, tornadoes, ice and snowstorms, floods, and, yes, our political climate as well. We need to remember that Christ's love and word and sacraments are with us all the time, no matter whether we are affected by this negativity or not. This is what we can be assured of. This is what we can take comfort in. And this is what the most important thought feeling or guidance is for any of us in this world right now. Hallelujah. Can I get a First Baptist amen? Amen. We Episcopalians don't do that often enough. Let's hear it again. Amen. Amen. I could go on for hours, but relax. I won't. I will still, however, probably be shorter than Pastor Curtis. (laughs) Although it was only 14 minutes on this last recording. I think he had a cold that probably stopped him. This is indeed epiphany, that marvelous word that means manifestation, appearance, or sudden revelation or perception, an insight into the essence of a thing. There is a reason that epiphany is the season to follow Christmas. 
We go from that infant babe in the manger to a grown-up man of 30 years of age in the twinkling of an eye. Those of us who are parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends of little kids, we know that. We don't know much about Jesus' youth, but we certainly find out a great deal about Jesus as he fully enters into his ministry and what his actions are. And I'm going to give you a little bonus this morning. In the Episcopal Sunday service, we go through readings from the Old Testament, a psalm, and an epistle, along with the gospel. Today's epistle was from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. He wrote, it's only one sentence, so calm down. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Did you hear that? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. As Jesus was touched by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, so are we. Each of us needs to open our hearts and minds and souls to the Holy Spirit for guidance. Each of us has something to contribute to our communities of faith. As we reach out for the common good, our lives will be that much more blessed. Tuck Paul's statement under your pillow at night, prop it next to your breakfast dish or cup of coffee or tea or glass of OJ in the morning, put it in your briefcase, purse, or backpack, and share it with your family at home and with those you meet until it becomes such a part of you that your gift and your service to God will match your breathing in and your breathing out. Now, back to John, the Gospel. The sign or miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. We have a scene with Mary, her son Jesus, his disciples, a surprise steward, and the servants who witnessed this amazing feat, along with the wedding party, of course. I have often heard it preached that Mary was just being a stereotypical Jewish mother, pushing her son to do what was best in this very embarrassing and awkward situation of having no more wine at the wedding. I want to give Mary more credit than that. Think about Luke's passage about Gabriel's announcement to Mary about becoming the mother of Jesus. Mary had a choice to say no, but she did not even though she took a huge risk with serious consequences in her society. Mary said, Here am I, just like all the patriarchs and prophets. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. From that moment, Mary was changed, as were we. Mary was given a deeper insight into her son's life when Joseph and she took Jesus to Jerusalem for the purification rite for Mary. Mary encountered two very devout people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon told Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The prophet Anna began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Mary was later amazed when Jesus, at age 12, spoke to the teachers in the temple, and she treasured all these things in her heart. 
So is it little wonder that Mary knew Jesus could fix the problem with the wine? Even when Jesus tells her that his time has not come to reveal himself in that way, Mary knows he is ready and tells the servants to do whatever he tells you. And what about this miracle or sign? Do we have to dissect it and figure out whether it was 120 or 130 gallons of wine produced in those six stone jars? Or were they leaders back then? I don't know. Do we have to discuss or argue whether this was actually possible or not? The wondrous part of this story is to see how Jesus revealed himself within this community of people. Jesus took empty stone jars for purification, perhaps for hand or foot washing, and filled them with new wine, a symbol for his disciples to feel God's presence in Jesus. It is not just we in this century who are bedazzled by this. The steward could not believe such a thing had happened. He congratulated the bridegroom for doing something that was totally outside the norms of wedding celebration practice, to offer the best for last. Why waste the good wine on the guests who might be too inebriated, too drunk to notice or care? He cannot fathom any other explanation. But the servants who had drawn the water knew They knew. His disciples and his mother, who accompanied him to his wedding, knew. John writes in the chapter right before this, when Nathanael and the fig tree, when Jesus noticed him, that Jesus had said, Greater things were to come, and this is his first sign of them. As Jesus later turned everything upside down with his radical beliefs and actions, Jesus did so with his miracle at Cana. A New Testament scholar, Gail R. O'Day, writes, The story invites the reader to see what the disciples see, that in the abundance and graciousness of Jesus' gift, one catches a glimpse of the identity and character of God. It is no wonder that the early Christian community confessed, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus helped the people at this wedding. In terms of family, no wine for this wedding celebration would have been extremely shameful. Stories about this incident would have been spread about this family for years to come. Oh, you remember the David wedding? Oh, my gosh, they ran out of wine. Jesus quietly transformed the situation at hand with no flare of trumpets or loud gongs. What did this do to the steward? the servants who had actually seen this gracious act, and the bridegroom, we don't know. We do know that Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. At this moment, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry with his newly gathered disciples, there was awe and wonder and belief in this transformative rabbi, Jesus. Through our involvement with scripture, the sharing of the communion bread and wine when you have it, the exchanging God's peace with one another, the working together as a community of Christian sisters and brothers, all of this allows us to receive Christ's grace upon grace. That is a true gift that we can continue to share with one another 
all throughout the year. When you continue to come together in community here at the First Baptist Church, you proclaim loudly through your presence, your caring for each other, and through your voices of prayer, praise, and music that the signs of Christ illumine this place, this sanctuary, this building, because you, the people, are examples of God's love. The Holy Spirit has descended upon each and every one of you in your baptisms and continues to shine with the radiance of Christ's glory that he may be known, worshipped, and followed to the ends of the earth. Let us pray. From Stephen Shakespeare. I don't know if he's related, but he is English. Lord of the wedding day, passion of joining and spirit of festival, take our hearts of stone and flood them with new wine that we might savor ordinary miracles given to sense and taste through Jesus Christ, the winemaker. <laughs> 